Good morning. Uh, today for our scripture passage, we are looking at specifically a passage of Matthew, from Matthew 21. Uh, actually, this passage was in the lectionary, but it was actually the chosen gospel passage for last Sunday. Uh, before we focus on that particular verses, though, I'd like to get some context for uh, where we are in the life of Jesus. We are, in the story, we find ourselves in what we now call the Holy, call Holy Week. Uh, Jesus has come, has come into Jerusalem as the humble king riding on a donkey, just like we celebrate on Palm Sunday, and people shout and praise him as the son of David. Jesus then goes to the temple courts, and he is not happy with what is happening there. And he has a protest of sorts. He interrupts the money changers and tips tables. We don't get where exactly what is upsetting to Jesus, but it seems that the people working there and in charge of what's going on have missed the point of what should be happening. It might have something to do with how exclusive the temple was and how the religious leaders treated those on the outside. We might see some evidence of this when the very next thing that Jesus does after tipping the tables is he goes on to heal uh, people that are blind and lame it, right there in the temple, the place that was known for purity. He welcomes those on the outside. And then as if to rub it in maybe a little bit more to the leaders, Matthew writes that even the ch children in the temple shout are shouting, praise God for the son of David. Now the religious leaders of the time, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and all all of them saw all this, and let's just say they were not pleased. They asked Jesus if he sees what's going on here, and here's what's, what they're saying. And, he said, and Jesus says, yes, haven't you read the scriptures? Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. Ouch, that probably had to hurt a little bit. Jesus then leaves for the evening and goes to Bethany to spend the night. The next day, after uh, using a fig tree to, to teach the disciples a lesson, he returns to the temple, and that's where we pick up our scripture passage for today. So I'm going to start in uh, verse 23 of, of Matthew 21, if you'd like to, to follow along. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and elders came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? I'll tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question, Jesus replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven, or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, We'll be mobbed because the people believe John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think about this? A man with Jesus, this is Jesus still continuing. A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained this, his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes 
will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. Well, tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Here is the reading of our, our holy word today. Okay, so it seems at the beginning of this passage that the religious leaders and priests have had enough and basically come to Jesus and say, who said you could do this? Who gives you the right? I think they are ready for a debate. And so are challenging his authority. Uh, Jesus doesn't answer, though, directly, really, but with a related question when asking about what authority John the Baptist did his ministry. The leaders talk it over and realize they are in a no-win situation. If they say from God about John the Baptist, then they will admit that they were wrong for not believing and following John. And if they say it was just his own authority, then all the people who love John, which was quite a few, will be upset, and they are quite worried about staying popular right now. So they decide to play it quiet and just say, we don't know. But Jesus is, isn't done with this little discussion. And he moves into a parable that's directed at them. In the parable, we see two sons. And we also see a, the father and a vineyard as the main characters of the story. It seems clear that the father is representing God. And often we see in the Bible that Israel is compared or represented by the vineyard. So Jesus is saying that two sons are being asked to serve God's wishes in the vineyard. And the first one is not up for it and isn't even very respectful about it, really. But later, he has a change of heart. And he ends up doing the thing that was asked of him. The father also asks his other son. And his son is quick to give the appropriate and respectful response. Yes, sir. But then turns around and does not actually follow through. It was just words. He looked good in his response, but fails in the heart of the matter. Jesus asked the religious leaders, who obeyed the father? And they have to admit, of course, that it was the first son. And then Jesus takes it even further and gives an explanation of the parable, which he doesn't always do. He actually brings it back to John the Baptist, who was not one of the elite leaders or religious leaders of the time or, or had any great status among the people. But he had a calling and preached to many about repentance. Jesus says, John showed the religious leaders the right way to live, but they didn't believe him, and they didn't repent. While others who seem to be saying to God, saying, saying no to God at first by their maybe life decisions so far, they came and listened to John and believed and repented. He says that those sinners will enter the kingdom before them. Ouch again. Jesus is talking to some of the most powerful, influential leaders in the faith and calls them out saying they are behind those in the world that they wouldn't even be talking to. Here's a group who have always said the right things about God. They went to the best schools and memorized the best verses or all the verses, stayed pure from all the things that would be embarrassing, that would defile them, make them unclean. They went to the temple the right amount of times and the right dates. They dressed appropriately. 
And that Jesus compares them to the son who is all talk and no action. Well, he praises those who are the outsiders and look, the ones that are looked down upon. But what they did have is a change of heart. They repented. So what, what's the news for us in this story? And is it good? I think, yes, there is definitely good news. We can see in the story that throughout John the Baptist's ministry and Jesus' ministry, that no matter what has happened in our past, God is still waiting and welcoming us and looking and calling for us to come into his kingdom. Does that mean we don't have to do anything? Well, yes, this grace is free. But the thing about God's grace is that it doesn't really ever leave us where we are. It's not a one-time thing. It's not just a change of status. It's not just a transaction. It's a transformation that continues into the future. So if you're watching and you're worried that maybe you had wandered a little bit too far away from God, this is really good news that you haven't. All right. Good news. Sounds good. Maybe we should wrap it up there. Uh, but I don't think we can because this story didn't just have news for the son that said no at first. It definitely was for those also that said yes, but didn't follow through. This is the uncomfortable part because while it would be nice to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm more like the son. I made, mis I made some mistakes, but I turned back to God. And, and if I, but if I'm honest with myself, I have to wonder if I don't relay a lot more to the second son and to those religious leaders Jesus was speaking to. For me personally, I grew up in the church doing most of the right things, learning the right lessons, staying away from the troublesome people and saying yes when it was the appropriate thing to do and no to the inappropriate things. So then I have to ask myself, have I been faithful? and gone out and actually worked in the vineyard? That's not an easy question to, or an easy answer, but it, it's important. And it's a key element to figuring out what it means. Like one of the key elements is to figure out what it means to work in the vineyard. I'm sure the leaders Jesus was speaking to thought they were vineyard workers. So what were they missing? One way I can think of to look at it is to see if I'm doing the work that Jesus said was most important and demonstrated that with his life. Does my life show a love for God and a love for neighbor? If someone did an inventory of my life, would it be clear that I'm on a path of repentance, of turning away from selfishness and turning towards a heart of love for others? A love for those who Jesus demonstrated and a love for those he, that he was even looked down upon for being around and interacting with. Where does the evidence lead for me? Which son am I? I think this can be an important reflection for ourselves individuals, as individuals. But I also think we need to do a check as a church. Both our own Midland Reformed Church, but also the Try to be a, we're part of a big uh, church as a nation, too, in, in this nation, the, the American church, so to speak. 
I, uh, in my reading about this passage, I, I came across the, um, some really great words from Scott Hosey, who is professor of, of preaching at Calvin Seminary, so basically the, the teacher of preachers over there. And I just wanted to share a couple paragraphs of his words. He, he uh, speaks about it very well. He says, after all, from the outside looking in, it surely looked like the chief priests were following through on their yes to God, who followed the law better than they did, who did more acts of piety and more stringently avoided sin than the Pharisees. How could Jesus compare them to the son who said yes, but didn't follow through? The entire existence of these folks looked like one giant effort at following through. Yet Jesus seems to indicate that when it came right down to it, they were missing something so fundamental that it was apropos to compare them to the duplicitous son who said all the right things, but who finally failed to do what his father wanted. How so? Because I would suggest they missed the core of God, grace. All throughout the Bible, including the New Testament, Israel is often compared to a vineyard. So in this parable, I suspect that when we hear the father asking his sons to work in the vineyard, it is the equivalent of asking people to do good work among the people of Israel, whoever they were. That's where the chief priests failed. Think about it. Why did it take an outsider like John the Baptist to issue a kingdom invitation to marginalized folks? John did it first, but then Jesus himself continued giving this invitation in his own ministry. Jesus was always hanging out with what the chief priests considered the wrong crowd. Indeed, the very fact that Jesus associated with sinners counted against Jesus' being on God's side. So that, that was what uh, Scott had to say about it. I really liked the way he put it. For me, I can't judge anyone else's heart or their motives. But I think as a church and as Christians, we do need to look at ourselves and the fruit that comes out of our, out of our local churches and nationwide churches and see what, which son of the story we more closely align with. When someone is on the outside of the church, the, I'm thinking especially the American church, um, since that's our culture right now, are they more likely to say, those, those people, those, those Christians, sure, they make a lot of mistakes, but they are honest, and it seems they focus more on the needs of others than on themselves. Or are those on the outside looking in more likely to look at the church and see a group of people trying to look good, say the right thing, and, and in the end, but in the end are really only focused mostly on themselves and what's good for them. Of course, it's not an all or nothing situation. It's not all black and white. It's not, there's, we can uh, fall into the extremes if we, if we look at it that way. But I do worry that Christians are accused a lot more often of hypocrisy and, and worrying about them ourselves than we are known for sacrificing for the good of others. So as we go into this next season as a church where we are confronting a, a pandemic, going through uh, leadership transition, 
battling disunity among our culture on, on lots of hot topics in this nation. How can we demonstrate the true work of the vineyard in the vineyard? It's not easy. And we all will make mistakes. But we can all be thankful that God always makes space for a U-turn or for a change of heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this chance to gather, uh, even over, over the wires and over the internet. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'll bless us as we strive to, to be your workers, Lord, to understand the free grace that you've given us and that you just call us, Lord, to share that grace with others. We have done nothing to deserve your love, and, but yet you, you, you spread it and give it freely. We pray that we can be the conduits of that love and grace to others, Lord. Thank you for the, the body of believers you've called here at Midland Reformed. We pray we can live out your mission, Lord. Uh, continue to demonstrate our commitment and love to you by loving those that you put around us and in our lives and in our neighborhoods. And we pray that you will have your spirit move among us to, to guide us in the, in the right directions as we go through some, uh, some challenging times in the coming months. Thank you, Lord, for this, for your promises and for you uh, never giving up on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.